What up, fam? Welcome back to another episode of the Snapback Sports Pod. On this episode, we sit down and talk to Paul Rabel, the GOAT of lacrosse and the co-founder of the Premier Lacrosse League. The league starts up on the 25th of July, just this Saturday. So excited. We also give our MLB preview, which is super fun. We run through every division and the World Series projected champion. If you're checking in for last week's totals, we are up again for listens. We're on that goal to 5,000. Listeners, per episode, we are at 3,061 this week. We are slowly ticking up, so hit follow and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you're new to the pod, we are like your sports group chat. We're just having a good, fun time reacting to the news like you do with your friends. So, Snapback fam, new app. Let's get it. Lamar Jackson. I'm a rave. His own. All year. Every year. Jackson takes it himself. Oh! He broke his ankles! What up, fam? I'm your host, Jack Settleman. Joining me today, and as always, my co-host and longtime best friend, Abe Granoff. Abe, what is on your mind today? <sighs> the fact that this bubble is somehow working scares the absolute shit out of me. Because Why? I'll tell you why. Because obviously I've been on the air and texting you about my confidence in the Sixers. So I have a confession. That was kind of all predicated on that this little bubble thing was going to get shut down a month in and that we wouldn't actually see through the entire thing. And now it's starting to look like this thing might actually work. Yeah, zero cases. You're looking like you're in a bit of trouble. Yeah, so this thing's going to work, which means heartbreak is loading. And (laughs) I didn't think that would come true. Um, But I guess we're doing this thing. Uh, it looks like it. I'm excited. I thought uh, I was getting "Happy Birthday" sung to me on your mind today. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. That was kind of hit. That is that like a national anthem rendition? Happy birthday to you. You want the Fergie version? That's what it sounds like. I mean, I think I sound a little bit better than Fergie, but <laughs> but anyway. Um, yeah, dude, why don't you tell me what's up, Mr. 24 years old, once this episode comes out, Kobe year. Kobe year, RIP Kobe, the Mamba, dedicating the year to him for sure. Uh, not too much planned, just some MLB baseball on tap. How about your O's? Soccer's been back. The How about your O's? Back. The O's, the O's are definitely playoff bound. Um, they they took down me. my Phillies the other day. Yeah, we've been having some trouble with the Nats, but <laughs> what should we kick it off with? Just the two game. Who's the game? I know the first game is Mets versus Yankees, right? Nope. Nice and try. The first game. Nats, Yankees. Nats, Yankees. First game is Nats, Yankees. Dr. Anthony then- Fauci is throwing out the first <laughs> pitch. Um, you think we can bet on whether or not he'll have a strike? I I want to bet on if he's wearing a mask. Um. Ooh, that's a good idea. I think he will be, he right? Better, he better be wearing one. And then Dodgers play who? Dodgers play the Giants, I believe. Oh, okay. That's fun. That's so fun. Gabe Kapler heads west, um, hires the first woman coach, which if you know Gabe Kapler, doesn't really come as a surprise. Seems like he's always I in it for the wrong Gabe reasons. Kapler. I don't know. He's just kind of a hot guy, you know, bringing in girls. 
whatever. Gotcha. But it's good for the sport, bringing in females. Um, so, but yeah, I mean, MLB is tipping off or pitching off or taking the mound. Um, <laughs> so I was watching a bunch of interleague games. Not a fan of the pumped in noise. Not a fan. Did it, oh, I didn't see any it, of it. It's weird. It's very strange. Did you see the walk-off last night? Also very strange. Um, we'll get used to it, obviously, but you might not because you don't really watch baseball. But it's it's definitely very weird. Definitely weird. All right, let's be a little organized for the fam, and let's start in the AL East. We're going to do some quick divisional previews. We'll do some playoff predictions, sleepers, and our World Series predicts. AL East, that's the division of yours truly, the Baltimore Orioles. <laughs> Baltimore Orioles, there's, I mean, there's a really good chance we win under 10 games this season. Yeah, no, for sure. It'll be pretty cool seeing like a final record of like 8 and 52. Um, yeah. But yeah, the Baltimore Orioles are extremely bad. Looking at the rest of this division, I think you, if you look at the Red Sox, um, their rotation is pretty weak. They obviously lost Price. I think Evaldi is their number one. I don't really see them making noise, but, I mean, this entire conversation is predicated on the fact that this is such a fuck it of a season. Literally anything could happen. So maybe this is the year for the O's. Um, <laughs> no. I prom- That's what I was thinking because, like you said, if there's any season where a bad team could get into the playoffs, it would be this. But I looked at the Orioles' starting day or opening day projected roster. How many, how many names did you know? Chris Davis. That's it. I didn't even know who the pitcher was, Tommy Malone, which makes no sense because we have John Means, who was an all-star. But I think well, every well, team gets an all-star. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the uh, the Yankees are going to win this division probably quite easily, honestly. They're, they're like the ideal 60-game 60 se- 60 season because – that just means less chance to get hurt, and they're just going to pound everyone. The fun team in the division, though, is definitely the Blue Jays between Vladdy and Bo Bichetti. Yeah, I mean, they're a young and upcoming team. I don't know if they're ready yet, but like I said, it's anything can happen. It's But you, you imagine that this division will be a two-team race between the Yankees and the Rays. The Rays are sneakily very good. I think they can be a sleeper. Uh, almost won 100 games last year, but... um. Yeah, I'm not going to get cute on and this is, one. And is the boy uh, pitching? Who's who's the guy who's crying? Blake Snell. Is Snell playing? Um, I imagine so. I think everyone okay. with te- I think everyone with tears in their eyes prior to this is playing. Um, there are a couple. Oh, days. one last thing on that division. I think I said it last time, but can we stop picking on players for wearing masks? Thank you. All right, <laughs> on to the AL Central, and I want to. Hey, you're definitely the baseball guy, so make sure we mention at least one thing about every team. Um, but we'll go over. Sure, let's start with the Tigers. Central. Mentioning something about the Tigers, they stink. Um, okay. Mentioning something about the Royals, they also stink. Uh, this, okay. but they do. Is Wit playing? I know about Wit because of sports cards. <laughs> yeah, I think he's playing. Um, okay. The he's White, supposed to be a stud. The White Sox, another young and upcoming team. I think you yeah, can, they're the fun team. I in the think division. you can look out for them. Can they make a run at the Central? Maybe not. Um, I mean, everyone on the Twins is on steroids based off how many home runs they hit last year. <laughs> so I think it's their division to win. But this is another division where, if we're talking the best of the best, it's a two-team race between them and the Indians. And I actually always find myself placing a World Series future on the Indians. Um, I think that's kind they of... They struggled last year. They definitely struggled. Yeah, they, I mean, I'm they didn't make the go, playoffs, but they still won 90 games. I'm going to use our first 60-game 60, 60 season uh, explanation on something. I'm going to go 
the Twins don't win the division. I think a team that's home run dependent like that. The Yankees are, you know, they hit a lot of home runs, but they're just great across the board. The Twins, they're not going to be able to replicate that production last year. And a home run heavy team like that, 10 game stretch without hitting home runs. Maybe they're playing in longer parks. That's a nightmare. So I'm going to go no Twins AL Central. And I'm, I'm going White Sox. Yeah, I mean. I think they are. I think they're legit enough to put it together. Yeah, I mean, that's obviously the fun pick. I'm going to stick with the Twins. I actually think okay. that the, the Twins could be a sleeper World Series pick. Wow. Okay, so we're on two totally different pulses on the Twins. I like that. And you know what? This doesn't even feel like one where we're going to get into many arguments because, like you said, who in the hell knows? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's just kind of like a fun thing that's going to happen. I mean, the Twins and yeah. the Indians, I mean, let's talk about just their win totals. They're both at – the Twins are at 34.5, the Indians are at 33.5, and, and the White Sox are at 31.5. So that can mm-hmm. kind of give you an idea of um, – Yeah, where they're projected. Interesting, interesting – nugget to look at in regards to the MLB season is the way the schedule is formatted. So you look at you look at um the division like the Central and you have two very, very below below average teams in the Royals and the Tigers. And then you have to look to their counterpart in the NL in the NL Central, which is a little bit of a more stacked counterpart because they're playing forty games in the division, but twenty games out of the division. So it kinda and I mean by a lot of means, people think between the Cardinals, the Cubs, and the Reds, and even the Brewers, that the NL Central might be one of the best divisions in baseball. So mm-hmm. could be tough for a, a wild card team to come out of the Central. But I'm going to stick with the Twins on this one. Okay. All right. To the AL West we go. Do the Mariners still stink? Do the Mariners still stink? This is a really weird division. Yeah, especially because you look at a team that's kind of loaded and has the best player ever, so they say. But they won seventy two games last year. The uh, the, um, the Angels, the Angels. But like between them, Simmons, Pujols, Otani. Otani's coming off an injury. He actually Don't they a... have Yak. Yeah, traded for someone. Peterson. Right? I'm not totally sure. Um, this is a pretty, pretty shitty sure breakdown, but uh, <laughs> this is what you get. You guys wanted baseball, and we're talking baseball, so. That'll do it. All right. So in that division, AL West, the Astros are definitely the favorites to come out. It's going to be super interesting now that there's no fans, right? Like how tempted are players going to be without fan support to throw at a player in an empty stadium? I'm actually curious what your take on that is. Uh, Yeah, I think it's more personal than it is for the fans. I mean, we saw, I think it was Bregman and Altuve get hit back to back the other day. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's, but they, I, that wasn't that did not look truly intentional. Like when when you're throwing at these guys, you're gonna throw at them, not inside and clip them on the wrist. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think they're still gonna get their fair share of hit by pitches. I'm gonna go on the record and say because I'm that asshole, I am rooting for the Astros this year. I mean, it's really a race between you're the worst. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty fun. Um, just if they would like didn't cheat this year but hoisted another asterisk trophy like they not only do they win a, a trophy that they cheated on but they win a trophy where it's 37 percent of a regular season um but it's really a race between them and the a's but i think i mean they lost garrett cole obviously they still have verlander and granky obviously they have that great lineup between el tuve bregman correa uh will Jordan alvarez continue the rookie year he did last year i don't know but I, th- I mean, I think both of these teams get in at least at the wild card. 
What about the Rangers before we move to the NL? Just a word on them. New stadium looks dope. Do they have a world new stadium? Yeah, I think so, and it looks pretty cool. I think that they they can make a run at the wild card spot. They 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 addressed their wow. they addressed their rotation. They added uh, Corey Kluber, who I still think is a uh, is a great pitcher in this league. They have Mike Miner, Lance Lang, Kyle Gibson. Uh, their downfall will probably be their lineup and their bullpen. But with good pitching in a short game season, if your bats get hot, who knows? That's a good point. All right, on to the National League. We start with the NL East. That's where Abe's Phillies reign. Um, so, so the NL East. Was that a sound effect? Yeah, I mean, you look at the Phillies, and for me, the the, the Phillies this year. Obviously, they added a bunch in their lineup with with Didi Gregorius, um, a bunch of guys getting healthy. But I just think we're going to be the story of like the close but no cigar. Our lineup is absolutely stacked, but. Can Jake Arrieta be that third star? Can Zach Wheeler actually return to being a top pitcher in the NL? I don't trust our bullpen enough. I mean, we spent two hundred plus million in free agency, and I still believe that we're the third best team in this division. The Braves have a loaded rotation. I mean, their lineup took a hit with uh, Freddie Freeman sitting out, obviously. But and then obviously you have the Nationals, which is an interesting nugget because last year, this is how you know that this that this season is such an anomaly. The Washington Nationals won the World Series last year. At the 60-game mark, they were 23-37 and 37 and one of the worst teams in baseball. Now, <laughs> I mean, can a rotation of a, a one-two punch of Strasburg and Scherzer propel you 60 games? Probably, especially when you have an MVP caliber player in Rendon. <sighs> so you can obviously tell my level of fandom between the Eagles, Sixers, and Phillies. The Phillies is like right below in the third but like not to the point where I'm going to be overly biased about them. Do I can they, <laughs> That's that's a nice point for the listeners. Can like, they I win feel the, like they're happy can to they, hear that. Can they win the division? Absolutely. Will they? I don't really know. This is actually for me in terms of 60 games, it's pick out of a hat between the Nats, Braves and Phillies. Um another division where I think you can see a wild card team get in, but I'm obviously going to pick the Phillies to win the division. I am curious why you're leaving the Mets out of this. Uh, because they're the Mets, you know. But but they've gone to a World Series more recent than the Braves and the Phillies and the Marlins. And the Mets, Who cares? They, they deal with injuries every single season. And I feel like, once again, this is the least likely to get injured because there's obviously lesser games. They don't have Syndergaard, but Degrom will be back or should be back sooner. <laughs> yeah, you rather say than you later. say they usually de- they usually deal with injuries. Degrom literally right. Left no, his I mean if he misses start. two starts, that that's a huge thing. But I think the Nets have a. Re- I mean the Mets have a really good lineup. I watched a lot of Mets baseball last year. Don't ask me why. And they have a really good team and can be fun and exciting. It's just like the 162 games seems to get them for whatever reason. They go through a terrible stretch of managing. And then they have a horrible injury. And then they lose 10 in a row. And that's really what derails them. But over 60 games, they're interesting. The Nats, if they're not going to be consistent like last season, that's scary to me. The Phillies, same deal. Bryce Harper will probably hit 200 for two weeks. And then he'll hit 400 the next week. And then the Braves without Freeman. Yeah, that is weird. Marlins seem to be in the same boat as the Orioles. As in, like, they are just going to get absolutely pummeled day in and day out. Did you see what happened in the Marlins game last night? 
No. They were up 8-1 in the ninth against the Braves, and they lost 9-8. <laughs> like, well, yeah, it's pretty impressive to do that in a, uh, in a um, whatchamacallit, one, one spring training game. Yeah. All right, to the NL Central we go. Cubs, Reds, Cardinals, Brewers, Pirates. Here is our first snapback fan member, Jack Flaherty. Is he the opening day starter? Yeah, for sure. Flash on the mound. What's good with this division? What's good with the – I mean, this is a pretty much a wide-open division. I mean, in terms of talent in the lineup, you got to look to the Cubs. They lost Castellanos. They lost Lester. They lost Quintana. I guess I'm really just talking about everyone they lost. But, I mean, Chris Bryant, whether or not he wants to be there or not, is still there. Javi Baez, still there. Anthony Rizzo, still there. Um, I think this is kind of the Cubs' last chance, really, because – you have all these guys that are getting new deals, so who knows what's going to happen. You look at the Cardinals, they lost Ozuna, and a lot of their position players are are getting older. Um, can anyone really protect Paul Goldschmidt in the lineup? I don't know. The interesting team in this division this year is probably the Rays. The offense is very potent. Uh-oh. I mean the Reds, sorry. <laughs> I don't know why I said the Rays. Like, uh, the starting pitchers improved. They uh they added Trevor Bauer. They still have Sonny Gray, but um I mean I think Bauer can still find his magic and get to where he was before. But you look at that offense in a wiffle ball field ballpark like Great American, and and that could be scary. Uh, the Brewers also took a step back, but you really got to count out a team with uh, Christian Yelich in it. Probably not. The lineup in the Pirates is solid. The rotation, I mean, they're the Pirates, so they can fuck off. But if I'm going a division winner, you know, I may have some ties there shortly. I think I'm going to be a Cubbies fan. Really? Yeah, I'm riding riding with the Cubs this division. They usually start slow, so who knows how that will go. But like I said, it's an anomaly year, so... You never know. 60 games, like, we're putting a lot of weight on the 60 games, obviously, as we should. But it will, like, there will still be the waves, right? The team that's 8-2 and two through 10 is not going to be in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like, You know what? I kind of like di- di- disagree. I think the waves mm. are that much more important this year, where if you start 8-2, and two, it's really going to help you if you have a little rough stretch later on. Whereas, if- Well, it will, but what I'm saying is, like you're you're making it out to be like the teams who are leading the division through 20 games are pretty much going to be the teams. I still think you're going to have 20 good games, 20 bad games, 20 other games and a lot's going to change over those 60 games. When is the regular season supposed to wrap? How long is this taking? 60 games. Um I think the playoffs will start sometime in September. November okay. or October. I could be wrong. I'm going to be honest with you, Jack. I have no idea. I just tried to make okay. up a date. But, I mean, right, they play cool. almost every day. There'll be a little bit more break, but 60 games, that's two months. What's today? July 22nd, July, July August. Yeah, end of September, yeah. early October, I think you're looking at. Perfect okay. for ratings, right? Going on right during the NBA playoffs. You got a good shit, MLB, <laughs> and right as the NFL is starting. Way to go, MLB. All right. Final division. Ah, you didn't, NL pick, you didn't West. pick a central. You didn't pick a central one. Oh, I'm going with the Cardinals and Jay Flair with my boy. All right, fair enough. All right, Padres, Dodgers, Giants, Rockies, D-backs. This division feels like it's the Dodgers and everyone else, but it is. the Dodgers are they're weird. No, they're really good. Is what they are. 
I, yeah, I mean, tell me about it. <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, I mean, they've gone to how many straight pennants or World Series? Listen, they're missing a third baseman. I'm going to throw out a name for you at the deadline. Is the deadline like next week? <laughs> Given no the season, Nolan Arenado, one of the best third basemen in baseball, leaving his you think division. He's going to be on the block. I think he could be on the block. I mean, if you if you look at the team like the Rockies. They've been the same team for the fifteen years, the last fifteen years. Not enough yeah, is pitching. Carlos Gonzalez still on that team. <laughs> no, Todd, <laughs> Todd Helton is though. Um, <laughs> not enough pitching, a good offense, some old stars, and questionable stats because of where they play. Same old, same old. I don't think the Rockies are going returning back to glory. The Giants are in full rebuild. Um, even though the Giants were kind of like when we were growing up, the Giants were a. Uh, Every other dominant, or at every other type year, which they would suck, and then they would magically go to the World Series. The Diamondbacks, mm, no thanks. The Padres, not yet. It's it's the Dodgers and everybody else. The Padres, I'm gonna lump them into the uh, who was it? I want to lump them in with the White Sox and the Blue Jays. Correct. The fun team. Those are kind of my young teams. Yeah, the fun young team with potential. But out of those three, I'm going to put the Padres third. Machado needs to go to an entirely new level. And then Tatis needs to continue his progression. And then they need, like, multiple other players to step up. Like, it just felt like it's going to be those two that have to carry the team. And they're just not quite good enough, especially in that division. That that division, the, the number two in that division is going to go in the craziest waves. Like... You will see the Diamondbacks be two for ten games. You'll see the Rockies be two for ten games. The Gi- like they will just. I think like crazy. I truly think the Dodgers can win fifty games because of who they play. I think they're in the worst division in the NL, obviously in the NL West, and I think the AL West. I mean, you have the Angels there and the Astros, and but like I don't know. I think the Rangers and the Mariners could be really bad. You look at. I think the Dodgers can win a lot of games, especially because of how right, bad their division the is. They, they, were, they won their division last year by 21 games, by far and away the biggest gap. I don't think any other if team... If I had to give you a... If this was the bet, the Orioles would lose more games or the Dodgers would win more games, what would you pick? Rephrase that. That doesn't make any sense. Like, the Orioles will lose how many games versus the Dodgers will win how many games? Oh. Which will there be more of? It's gonna be close. It both feels I like think they're, they're both gonna 50. be. I think they'll both be mid forties. Okay, mid to high forties. Right. I I'm with you. I think the Dodgers could win fifty games, but will they get it done in the playoffs? Probably not. Well, let's talk that real quick. So let's make our World Series prediction. I'm gonna keep this short and sweet. I think the Yankees finally get it done, and I think they do it. Over the, I just can't trust the Dodgers. So you're going Yankees over, over Dodgers? Yankees over Mets. Oh my God. A Subway Series. I'm going a Yankees Subway World Series. over Mets with no fans in the stands. Subway World Series. Oof. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm going to have a little fun with this. I am going to go the Minnesota Twins coming out of the AL. Mm-hmm. You know what? No, I'm not. The Houston Astros are going back to the World Series. Sorry for all you crybabies out there. The Houston Astros will beat the Philadelphia Phillies. 
<laughs> All right, that was very odd how you came to that conclusion. Nope, it uh, wasn't. but it's I don't hate simple it. Simple one plus one equals so, two math. So the one thing about the playoffs is that will be like a regular playoffs. Correct. You know, just without so. fans, which in baseball. Fan playoff baseball with the fans. There's nothing like it. Two strikes, everyone's on their feet. Rally towels. But also probably the least important one. The Nationals won every single World Series game on the road last year, right? Yeah, they did. So I think yes, there is nothing like playoff baseball with the fans going crazy. But probably the least like that matters the least when it comes down to it. I am very excited to see how individual players play because I think that. A lot of players play to the crowd and the atmosphere and being on the big stage, and that propels them, whereas other players play to the competition. I think you see a lot of studs, or so you think that are studs in the past, regress a lot, and some of these new names or like average guys you see really start to make a name for themselves because the pressure's not there and they're just playing out of pure competition and not because of the stage. And I think you see the same batting-wise as well. You have that same thought process for the NBA. I just am on completely different wavelengths. I don't really think like a lot of these MLB players are, you know, intimidated by the fans like you seem to think. I don't think it's necessarily a level of intimidation. It's just what fuels them. You know, I think a lot of people, they see the big stage. So you think Baez is essentially, Baez and Acuna are going to stink this year. I didn't say that. But I do right, think that Jim Segura will win MVP. No, I'm kidding. All right. All right. Two ranked. We're going to keep it on the baseball vibe and rank our top three ballpark foods. And we're going like standard ballpark. Like if you go to Yankee Stadium. Or yeah. You go I don't want to hear your bougie. Teams. I don't want to hear your bougie le- legends right. club surf and turf shit. This is a baseball exactly. game. We're talking you're exactly. sitting triple deck and uh, it's a nice summer triple day. deck. I would love to know what the triple deck is. The third deck. Um, the upper, I upper deck. upper deck. Yeah, this, there's three uh, decks. I, I, yeah, but <laughs> no one calls it a triple deck. You're already in the mindset of ordering a triple deck or cheeseburger, apparently. All right, number three, my number three, chicken fingers and fries in a bucket. Uh, just love that. Can't, can't argue that. What is your opinion Great on in meal. a basket? Uh, basket as well. Either one. Just depends what stadium you're at and how they serve it. Okay. So just and, chicken and fingers and the, french fries. Yeah, yeah, Chicken fingers and french fries. The bucket is more so like that's a family meal, so you share it with someone. The basket mm-hmm. is a personal meal. All right. I don't mind yep. it. Number three for okay. me, I'm taking it to dessert. I'm going the funnel cake. Old-fashioned. If, if, if you let it sit out too long... It's not going to get good. It's going to get extra hard. But if you eat it too fast, it's a little too hot. You're guaranteed to get the powdered sugar all over your shorts and all over your shirt. Mm-hmm. That's just what you sign up for when you get a funnel cake. But, um, I mean, it's absolutely gas. Unreal call. All right. I didn't have that on my list. So my number two, number two, my number two is a beer that is over $10 because you, you know what? I was going to go with beer and I, I was just sticking to food. That's fine. I'm going with beer, but it has to be over $10, which they usually are <laughs> at any ballpark. Um, you know, you're getting ripped off every time, but if it's a beautiful Sunday, Sunday afternoon matinee game, it's so refreshing. The tall boy, you're getting absolutely ripped off. Uh, it'll take you about $150 to achieve the level of drunk if you want, but <laughs> the overpriced beer has got to be it for me for number two. 
Okay. Wow. I, I respect that. I was actually going to say, I love the Sunday beer, but the Saturday day game or Saturday night for the playoff, that's when it sucks. Cause like you said, you got to have a lot of them. Although the tall boys do, they do light you up because they're more ounces than the norm. I mean, listen, the if you're problem going... is the line to the bathroom. Once you have a few too many of those, you're you're in a dangerous game. The thing is, if you're, if you're going to a baseball game to get drunk, and this is for our 21 and old, older club, unless you're Eagleson, which is like a, what, 14-year-olds to drink in Canada or some shit. <laughs> um, if you're going to a baseball game to get drunk, you know that you have to drink before because it's that expensive at a at a ballpark. Yeah, no doubt about that. Is it that. me for number right, one or my, you? No, me. Damn, my number damn. two. You're gonna take me. Are, are you new to ranked? I just, I just <laughs> never mind. You got too excited. All right, my number two. I'm also going dessert, soft serve, and a helmet. Oh, I mean, good call. Totally forgot. Yeah, yeah that's like the go to dessert. Got to be in which a helmet. Is why I gave you, gotta be in a helmet. I, I, yeah, of course, and with sprinkles on top. Stop it. Um, I don't know if there needs to be much more said about that. You wash out the helmet before you go home. You bring that shit home, make a nice little collection. They've actually started to stop selling the helmets. I've seen a few parks that don't have them, and I'm just like, what are you doing? Why? Yeah, I mean, I don't save them because I'm not seven, but I'm glad you do. Well, this is for the younger audience. Your number two is for the older audience. I, I pander to the younger audience. Uh, my number one, don't really overthink it, it's the hot dog. It's the glizzies, uh, baby. That's my number one. The too. glizzies. Dollar glizzy the night? Gl- dollar glizzy night. Be a glizzy gladiator. I actually, Yankee Stadium, there's a hack. If you go up to the triple deck, as Abe calls it, there's $8 tickets, which is insanity in New York. And they do all you can eat up to the fifth inning. So you get there. About 30 minutes early for some BP, wait, warm-ups, etc. Wait, 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 You pay $8 at a New York ballpark. And all you right, can... I might have, I, that might be a stretch. It might be like 20 to 30. Whatever it is, it's all you can eat through the fifth. And I normally crush, the options are hot dogs, popcorn, peanuts. And I'm about, I'm about like a six hot dog guy, two bags of popcorn, and a bag of peanuts, and unlimited water. The only thing you got to pay for is the beer. Best value in all of New York. And I think that kind of um, questions Abe of, I do six hot dogs in about an hour and a half, and Abe thinks he could do seven in ten minutes. Listen, I'll be with you later tonight down the beach. I saw there are glizzies in the fridge. We do have glizzies. So I might just tattoo glizzy god on my inner bicep and get to work. All right, I'm down. Is your number one hot dogs? Yeah, I you, mean, I mean went... it's okay. America's old-fashioned, the glizzies. Dollar glizzy yep. night, uh, you can't beat it. You might have a heart are attack. You a, are you a two regular-sized dog, or do you like the extendo dogs they've been doing in baseball parks? I keep it basic, man. Just a regular dog. Yeah. And honestly, yeah. I won't really – I probably won't even get a dog unless it's dollar dog night. But dogs are that good. Really? Oh, no. I get every time, no matter what, even if it's not my main dish. What do you put on your dogs? I'm a uh, ketchup mustard standard, depending on the mood. I'd say like 60% of the time I'll do relish. Interesting. I, I usually keep it just ketchup. I'll never do mustard by itself. If it, I do mustard, it'll be with, accompanied with ketchup. Relish uh, is uh, both. relish is how many $12 beers I've had. And if I've had a few of them, then the relish will get popping. I don't, I don't hate relish, though. 
Love sauerkraut? Absolutely not. Get that out of my face. <laughs> yeah, definitely not a sauerkraut guy. Um, I don't know if there's many other ones. Nice voice crack from your boy, which means we should ro- probably wrap overrated. This ready? Up. Ready? Overrated. Cracker Jacks. Yeah. Yep. Peanuts. Cotton candy. Cotton candy. Shout out to definitely a bonus, uh, the corn at a minor league baseball game. Shout out uh, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, roast beef baby, oink oink. Um, which, yeah, I mean. I think that, they're now bacon themed. No, I mean, Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs, I think is the name. Let me check. Yeah, and they're bacon themed. What's roast beef? Oh, that's like the chant. Roast beef. Roast beef. Roast beef. There you go. Rose Pete. All right. We're talking All minor right. league baseball now. We're getting out of our element. Yeah, we are. All right, fam. Well, let us know, Snapback Pod on Instagram, what you think of our ranked. Pretty uh, pretty friendly ranked. This was kind of a friendly episode, which is nice. And then coming up next, we are going to have an interview with Paul Rabel as the Premier League lacro- Premier Lacrosse League tips off, kicks off, faces off on Saturday, July 25th. So make sure to check out. That interview with him, he's the CEO, founder, co-founder, also a player, the GOAT, he's everything. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to head into that interview with Paul Rabel. All Snapback fam, we have a guest on today's show, and it is lacrosse legend, PLL co-founder, and in our little info we got, he's called the LeBron James of lacrosse. It is Paul Rabel. Abe has a word about the LeBron James type. Yeah, so I saw that. The New York Times called you the LeBron James of pro lacrosse. And, I mean, it, it makes sense with what you do on the field, off the field, what LeBron does on and off the field. But when I first looked, when I first heard of you and I heard your story, how you started the league, how you're a player in the league, how you're a coach, the first thing that came to mind for me was Jackie, Jackie Moon. That that's right. So, you, so you've gotten that before. I'm, yeah, I'm. Uh, well, he's the the Paul Rabel of basketball. Um, <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, we. It's tricky as a co-founder and and player, but we're moving this thing in the right direction uh, at a high level. For those that haven't heard of the PLL, um, you know, my brother, older brother, serial entrepreneur Mike, and I co-founded it, and we've been working on it a few years, dating back a few years, and then we we launched on October twenty second, twenty eighteen. At our first season last year, we brought over 200 of the best players in the world, had six teams in our inaugural season at a partnership with NBC where all of our games air on either NBC Sports, NBC, or NBC Sports Gold. And uh, and we've been really active in the sponsorship environment of sports, social media. I think we've, we've been one of the fastest uh, emerging sports properties in the world. And, uh, and what we always try to set out to do, kind of making more analogies to sport, as you guys started with LeBron, is do what the UFC did to MMA, which was quickly professionalize and commercialize it around its players and the kind of stylistic component of the discipline and the way that we distribute our, our games and, and other narratives. And, uh, and that fast track in the 21st century is afforded us through new tech and media like this to where previously, if you weren't a big four sport, you couldn't get any coverage and now we are. So I'm on my trip to Utah right now. I talked to you guys before show. You know, truck is packed with all this stuff. So we're, we're doing a, a bubble similar to what we've seen the other leagues do. And uh, our champ series, it's a tournament. It's two weeks. It starts on July 25th and ends on August 9th on NBC. So why Utah? 
It's a great question. We, uh, we looked at a number of host states uh, when we were the first, actually we were the first team sports league to announce a solution. I did it on the Today Show. I was super nervous, uh, fumbling over my words because there was a lot on the line being the first team sports league to be like, yeah, we're going to come back during this global pandemic in a very health and healthy and safe way. Um, but at the time we hadn't selected our site, but we put together a medical committee that has infectious disease specialists and internal medicine doctors that were basically observing two things. First is, is there a campus that can house our all in numbers, 300 people from players and essential team members to medical staff to production crew at NBC and so on. Can we all put us together in a quarantine environment? And there's like probably half a dozen really good locations like that in the country. One of them's in Utah, one of them's in Florida. Um, and then if you're the NBA and can put forth a billion dollars to do it, you take over the wide world of Disney. Uh, but we didn't have a billion dollars. So we landed uh, in Utah primarily around um, observance of case and case count and case increase on a day-to-day -day. relative to Florida. Our medical team, which I wasn't on, got it right. I think we'd be a little bit more nervous and and, and probably, uh, yeah, I think, I think, like the WNBA is right now, just um, you know, heightened awareness of being in Florida as, as the state across the board has seen an increase in COVID cases. Uh, but then again, they've, they've bubbled and, and we've bubbled here in Utah, but that was like the biggest point of discernment was what are the cases like in the state that we're going to versus the cases where our players are coming from. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be a fun place to be because I would love to go to Utah for a month. Before Abe, before you got on, we were talking to Paul about uh, sports betting. Sports betting is going to be a bigger part of the league. So last year, we really – I I mean, I've been a – I watched the PLL all last year. I grew up in Maryland with Sloan. I went to McDonough. So I've been following lacrosse sport. There you go, Jack. But WNBA, we had never had exposure to. And our exposure was through sports betting. So we looked at the futures. We thought we found great value in the Las Vegas Aces. And we followed the Aces now. So we don't have a PLL team. So we want to know what's the best value on the board and who do Abe and I need to get on right now? So, so the first thing is I'm happy to talk about sports betting. What I can't talk about as a player <laughs> is – what I think the right bet or bets are. Um, what about as a as a <laughs> owner of the league? <laughs> I can't. I can, all of our employees. Yeah, you've got a bunch of different pathways. So all of our employees, like the NBA, like the NFL, that while employees and players are in season, they actually can't even bet on other sports or go to casinos right. and play games or even take, like, I think it's at a minimum or a maximum up to, minimum up to, like, a $200 uh, gift for a room at a hotel in, in, in Vegas that has a casino. It's like highly nuanced and regulated, and that's what's called integrity services. Um, mm -hmm. And our integrity services partner is Genius Sports. But uh, what we did see, or we've already, well, what William Hills rolled out is futures. And that came out a few weeks ago, and Darren Ravel tweeted the first futures, which I think have, have, have moved a bit since then based on the bets that have been coming through and some of the, uh, some of the learnings that the odds makers are having. And then the gaming operators, which are the DraftKings, the FanDuel's, the BetMGM's of the world, they're going to be putting out your traditional markets around point spread, odds, and, uh, and OU. And then uh, we're looking at some proposition betting, but that is, uh, that's going to you know, have to do with the odds makers at our official betting partner, which we'll announce next week, as well as, uh, as, well as their ability to work with our like, advanced statistics team. 
because uh, this is the first time lacrosse has ever had betting turned on as a sport at the professional level at this scale. Um, and I think what I like to tell people is that we, we were looking at this super early on. And uh, when we were building the league, you just have to have like proof of competition and integrity before the governing bodies and the regulators allow it. And then you've got to learn a lot about it because prop bets happen so fast. So we're on an accelerated path, but a lot of comedians and people used to say, if you couldn't bet on it, it wasn't a sport. So I feel really good about like making it past that. Now lacrosse can be a sport because people can bet on it. <laughs> so in regards to betting, I have actually the future odds up right now. You play for the Atlas, Yeah, that's correct? right. Go Bulls. Did you know that the Did you know that the Atlas are actually the the bottom of the future rankings right now at eleven to two? Are you going to take that personal? We're eleven to two. They're lat. That's, that's everyone. One. There's seven teams in the league. Yeah, seven? Atlas is seven. I'll read it wow. to you. Here Come we on. So we have the <laughs> we, just, we have the Redwoods. We just swung because that wasn't the case when I was on a call with a with a Vegas. This operator. is this is the initial. Okay, so this is the initial <laughs> rankings. Initial. This is as of June as of June twenty sixth. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that was the initial. Like two or two and a half yeah. weeks ago. So we have the Redwoods, the favorites at nine to two, and why don't while I'm going through this, you give me a little a little blurb about wh- each I think team. The Whips were the up? favorite. They're the champions last year. They're the favorite, right? Aren't they, they have like Rambo, three to one right? or four to one. This is saying, oh wait, you know what? I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> the futures are hard to read, man. So like, They're hard to read. It's like why can't we just give it? Why, why can't we would see they... it in percentages instead of fractions? You know? Okay, yeah. So you guys aren't the you guys aren't the least because that didn't make sense to me we're because the least, because the water the dogs because the water dogs are a new team so that made sense to yeah. me. Okay, well whoever made this article should be because <laughs> they put they ranked it one through eight but they didn't do it in odds they just they just wrote the yeah. teams. So yeah, you're right. The whip snakes are coming in at three to one. You guys are coming in at eleven to two. Oh, so we're looking five at plus five fifty. Yeah. yeah. Um, the water dogs nine to one. That's a tough look. The Chrome, eight but to Abe, one. So I, I don't need to explain the format. Fortunately, we have someone who knows more about it. But what I want to say, and I'll let Paul expand on it, is it is a single elimination once you get into the playoffs. So right. And it, it, you know, the longer wow. teams definitely have a higher shot. But Paul, talk about yeah, it's the cra- format. It's kind of crazy. So, uh, so yeah, so we actually, so I, I mentioned we swung. So those, that was the original future that uh that darren Bella tweeted William Hill put and then atlas swung up i think mm-hmm. we're plus 450 now versus originally sorry at 550 um and that came up because they did an interview with a with a uh, uh like a vegas media co that, that covers 24-hour sports betting and i was like oh shit i hadn't seen that swing yet so that's kind of cool to see because i mean bets are flowing through so odds makers are are adjusting um to jack's question our turn we basically built a like a world cup tournament style so there's group play uh to begin the first week and then that sets up seeding no one's going to be eliminated from group play though so the interesting thing is group play is everyone's going to play four games someone could go oh and four and then win the championship um (laughs) which is gnarly so uh we all play four games in the first week it's 20 games in 16 days first two games uh back-to-back days on nbc the mother network. And then uh, we have a matinee on Saturday night, the 25th on, on NBC sports. Um, our first eight games are on TV, 10 on NBC sports, total four on NBC. We're going to do all this innovation. We can talk about from the broadcast to celebrity pop-ins and commentating uh, from their homes will be virtually uh, included in the broadcast. And like, we want to make this thing as gauge as engaging as ever. Um, but yeah, so 
is the seeding does benefit because there's a lot of games and it's going to be like the NHL playoffs and that like contact and we'll see who has the most endurance. But the number one, the, 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 the carrot of being number one in group plays, you get a first round bye, you advance to the semis. And I think like our legs are going to be really heavy by the second week that that will be valuable, but you still could have a champion that is crowned at three and four total record. That's very interesting. You know, this PLL and the fact that you started it as well as playing, it kind of reminds me about the snapback fantasy football league we did earlier <laughs> where me and Jack started it. And Jack, Jack, very coincidentally, right? He, he rigged it. it. That's so me. That's he, what I like to call. Exactly. Rigging. So, <laughs> so how do you think, how do you think people will view? That's the Abe's Atlas... dream is to be an owner and a player so he could rig it towards his own right. team. Well, correct. The good news, correct. Abe, you live in the dream. The good Paul. news, Abe, is that uh, one season behind us, and we didn't make the playoffs in our first season. Tough luck. Tough. And we and like you know, pound for pound, people look at the stat sheet, and they're always going to try to figure out a way. That's what's fun about sports is like fans get their opinion, and they get to exclaim their opinion, which is which makes them so dynamic. Um, but you know, it was whenever we win or whenever I score, it's rigged. Um, and then and then. <laughs> and then, and then we, the interesting thing is, even though we missed the playoffs last year, the rigging conversation shifted to Paul intentionally missed the playoffs so that they can win it in year two and feel less rigged. So fans are always are always going like to it. get to own their narrative, which is great about sports. But I will say that us missing the playoffs was due to a tie-breaking system that I helped oversee. So I fell on my own kind of innovative <laughs> sword, which was we were the first time to do an aggregate differentiator um on the total season which the goal for me was like okay like the epl and soccer overseas i love how they keep a table on goal differential or like Mm -hmm. you know and so for us it was a means to keep every game as competitive as possible because you see in the nba you know greg popovich and then steve kerr is understudy done a really good job of like a sense when like they're down by 20 they just pull their starters and like fuck it we'll give that game away and let our guys get their rest um, in, 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 in sports though, what that does is it disinterest and uh, kind of disincentivizes fans to hang in there toward the end of a game or like how that implicates the rest of the season. So we have every goal matters to the degree that inevitably there was a three-way tie break for the last spot of the playoffs last year. And we going into that game, were like plus six and the Redwoods needed to win their game by seven and they won by like 10 and we got knocked out. Because had it gone to a traditional head-to-head, we had the nod over Redwoods. But because I wanted it to go to aggregate, we were out of the playoffs. So I'm looking at my teammates in the locker room like, oh, my bad. My bad. Actually, I didn't make my that bad. rule, guys. I was, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so it's not rigged. So, yeah, you did a, you did a little differently. Jack just – he came out the first year of the league and decided to win. But I'm curious, so this is the second year of the PLL. You've obviously learned a lot in that first year what worked and what didn't. What are there any major changes in terms of like the rules or how it's formatted from year one to year two that you learned? Like, wow, this didn't work too well. We have to switch it up or this didn't work. Yeah. What, what major changes have you seen over year one and year two? So I think there are more like operational changes and adjustments that Mm -hmm. we make as a league that are probably like probably boring to to discuss um, and like management and like kind of inside sales strategy and stuff like that. Uh, Tune in strategy, marketing, I would say over the last decade, I've learned a lot and paid close attention to what didn't work in those cases. And that's how we built the PLL. 
So from a, just from like a rules standpoint, one of the first things we did is change ball color. Um, you know, the game, the ball moves as fast as it does in tennis. There's 100-mile-hour shots. And tennis has this optic – it's called optic yellow ball color, which you think, like, they're playing on a green court and they have a green ball. What the hell's up with that? But they sunk right. millions of dollars into research to figure out this ball actually gets picked up better than any other color on screen for a 100-mile-an-hour-plus serve. So we flipped the ball color right away. The other thing we did is, like, this game is, is fast. It, it, like, the PSA for a long time in lacrosse is fastest game on two feet. But if you, if you look at a, a field that's 110 yards long and a game that's gotten really specialized to offense to defense, that it actually felt slow on screen. So we did two things. We shortened the field to 100 yards. We took the shot clock down from 60 to 52 seconds. And we took the 10 yards out of the middle of the field though versus the end line. So you got back and forth quicker. And then the last thing was broadcasting. Like it ain't enough to broadcast and distribute a game with four cameras, which is typically like the minimum mark for watching a game on television. So we knew that lacrosse, as intricately skilled as it was, it's a lot like hockey and golf, where like the, the hand-eye and stick coordination is really dynamic. But if you're only in a game cam, which is like the angle you see in the NFL, which is 50-yard line, upper deck, can't catch the nuance. So we, in some cases, had 20 cameras on a broadcast on average, more than 10. So we could show slow motion, different angles, and like actually show how the game is being played, not only to engage our lacrosse fans, but also net new fans that are out there that might be interested or not know shit about lacrosse. It's funny because Abe, I mean, we grew up as best friends, but he was from Philly and Maryland. It's obviously the Mecca, but he didn't really experience it. So I can understand all of that. I and mean, I feel like all we have to do is get Abe to really watch a couple games and then he's got to get him to watch. And, exactly. No, you know what? I actually, I so I went to Penn State, Paul, and we had, we had a we had a good program there. I had a buddy on the team, and uh, the first overall pick is playing for you guys. That was right? going to be my pitch to you: is that we have the number one overall pick in college is playing for the Archers. So, um, you know, if you're so Penn I'm State inclined, fan, yeah. you know, you got to watch now. You, it's like you don't have a choice. No, I'm definitely inclined. I'm definitely inclined to be an Archer fan because of that. No disrespect to the Atlas. <laughs> That's okay. Um, it'll probably it'll probably come down to those two. But yeah, I didn't grow up like. Lacrosse wasn't really big in my area. I grew up in South Jersey. You played baseball. But... And baseball, like, we talk about two sports going in the complete opposite direction right now. For real. Yeah. I mean, baseball, I think, it, it, that, that's probably the sport that's struggling the most because they're seeing a de- big time. decrease in participation at the youth level and then also in, like, interest at the pro level. But there was a problem in pro lacrosse and the way that they strategized for the longest time which was we're betting that pro game is going to win as participation numbers increase. Participation number at the youth level is really important for any sport because you have your stickiest, most like kind of discerning and exciting fan or the kids who are playing, they're looking up to the next level of players as idols and mentors, and they're going to watch and they're going to play and participate. But you also don't need a youth participation market. Like, the NFL doesn't really give a shit that, like, no one's playing contact football anymore. So, like, in the end, it's certainly fuel. But you've got to create as a pro property something that's entertaining and fun for, in our case, millennials to watch, Gen Zs, and then Gen Xers and baby boomers who, like, aren't playing sports anymore. So it's a, it's a careful balance. But for a long time, lacrosse is making a wager on, like, it basically being a six flags where we would like get all of like the 12 and unders who play at the games 
and like that be it. And that's not a winning recipe. Like we need people going to the games and tailgating and drinking beers and going to concessions and like taking their phones out and, and like posting on TikTok and Snapchat and like tweeting about it. And, and that's what we're doing. All right. So that, I think that's a great point because the UFC analogy is hilarious. Like if they need <laughs> I mean, millions of people to, to fight each other just to have a sport. But so then as like, I am interested in the marketing angle. What is, how do you get someone to watch? Obviously you partner with really strategic people. I actually saw, I shared a video with Abe that was on wave. They're a really good social media uh, team over there. Yeah. But like, how, like what's the overall mindset and how do you figure going about that? Oof. So marketing is, is multidimensional. So you got to get like, you got to get the core things right, which is uh, your, your, your partnership with a network number one. So a lot of people thought as like a digital and socially native league, which we excel in on social and production, they thought we were going to book our distribution of our games on one of the big four, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, Google. Mm -hmm. And we went the network route because the core sports fan still thinks linear first when it comes to sports. And it's also a validating, um, kind of like a validating opportunity for a non-core league. If you're like, hey, we're on NBC. And no disrespect to Facebook, and they're getting a lot of disrespect right now. It's like, <laughs> hey, you know, Paul, where can we watch your games? Oh, you can watch us on Facebook. Well, we can fucking watch anything on Facebook right now. So it doesn't like elevate. Now, if we're like, oh, you can watch us on NBC. And we're going to be on NBC you know, for 16 straight days, 20 games, this is going to feel like March Madness. And people are like, oh, wow, there's a meaningful investment and promotional and distribution property behind this. So NBC is in 118 million homes. It's the biggest network on broadcast. And then their cable network, NBC Sports, is 82 million ahead of ESPN2 and right behind ESPN. So that was number one. And then getting NBC to promote it is hugely important as well. And then number two is like, okay, how we're activating across our social platforms. So our marketing vehicles from our league accounts to our player accounts, our players promote the hell out of our students. And then number three is like, okay, internet, right? So search engine ending to promote posts, all these different like kind of unique uh, overtime uh, outlets that they cover sports through the lens of highlights. Um, and then I would say the last thing that we're spending a lot of time on is influencer marketing. So we have our athletes as influencers, but we also have a ton of celebrities and people in media who have some touch to lacrosse that are interested in it, but they need to be either tapped on the shoulder or had a conversation with that. Hey, the PL is upcoming. One of the, I'll give you another, I, I talked about um, youth participation as like a, a false impression of any sports growth. Another thing that has hurt lacrosse and I think other sports, the only anomaly to this is football, but no one gets out of bed thinking about attending a pro sports game. Like we all have our own lives. We care about ourselves first and that's important. We care about other things that are going on in our lives. So like that ground game is really important. So that requires staff, that requires like a lot of hard work and output and the in influencer strategy I think is more modern but we're getting a lot of celebrities who have played the game before like a Steve Nash like a Drew Brees like a Camille Caustic definitely uh, Tom Brady's like son Jack plays and he's a huge PLL marketing fan and like getting, getting your name out there like, because of the sport well, they just got introduced to snapback and we haven't even gotten our uh RFP for our influencer marketing yeah, no. yet. So, so once we get that we'll really hit the ground running I mean, exposure to a million young sports fans. I feel like that's a great, that's a great uh, value. 
that's like a follow-up man that, uh, <laughs> a million doing what we can but i have a i have a question that's actually been on my mind since you hopped on here so Jack and I are are big NBA fans as well as the PLL, and it came out a few weeks ago that amidst amidst all this um, social justice stuff that's going on, Kyrie was an advocate. Kyrie was an advocate that you shouldn't go down to Orlando because of what's going on in the world. Um, And he also apparently raised the point in his Nets group chat, hey, we can start a league on our own. Now, whether he thinks he can do that or not, I'm curious, has he reached out to you? (laughs) <laughs> ah. yeah so Kyrie has it I don't know Kyrie personally but a few of the players have, yeah, I I have relationships that. with just to like <laughs> learn and talk about it um it, it, it's not gonna happen um and and then like primarily is is like the the moat that the NBA has created so the NBA is a multi multi-billion dollar business and there's a, a, a players association in place and typically the case in, in those legacy leagues because they make a ton of money in profit. And whenever there's a new network deal cut, sponsors that are cut, like that goes into a lot of times the excess profit pool that based on the previous collective bargaining agreement is distributed between ownership and players. And then they have things like on average player salaries are anywhere from 40 to 51% of team revenue. Right. And that's stuff that's like negotiated. So that's like, I mean, we're talking about big businesses. Um, Mike and I have always said if lacrosse was like the NBA, we mm-hmm. wouldn't have even thought about starting a new league. We would have thought about how to raise capital to buy a team. Right. And I think where the NBA players are looking at the future, and this is what we jumped at is like, should players be given stock options for the value that they add during their time playing in the sport. We believe they should. And that's why we give our players stock options. Um, so there's a lot of like business practices and fundamentals that go to that. The biggest barrier for the NBA players or NFL players to, to spin off and start their own league is that you know, guys are getting paid $30 million a year, but they're also have staggered terms in their contracts. So, why we were able to do what we did overnight was uh, all of our players, let's say about 98% of the players previously in MLL were all under one-year deals. So when the season was up, we would sign a contract for the next season. Like, hey, let's not do that but really overnight. So then you wanted, with the question, I haven't talked to Kyrie personally, but I do uh, I do a lot of stuff with Uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know Mav and, and Braun uh, think a lot about, you know, player ownership and, uh, and like path to ownership across the board and sports and sports media, having just consolidated their properties to Spring Hill companies. Um, so anyway, uh, the other thing that I'll say is that uh, I think the leagues are getting it right at the moment, collectively standing for in the 21st century civil rights movement and, and, and what is incumbent on leagues. But these are people that have their views and their rights to views and with, as for the same reasons we've seen the PLL, we've seen the implication players, um, we're seeing, and I believe the league's getting behind what they believe in as well, is is day and age. This is not a political uh, Black people in America for over four and a half centuries being oppressed, enslaved, and facing unique suffering that no other cohort of people have ever faced. And uh, being able to recognize that at a bare minimum, is a bare minimum of what we can do, um, and then continue through other action, which our league has stood up in support of. And then we'll see our players actually show their demonstration as well as league assets during the season on NBC. Very cool. 
what's what's that demonstration going to be so we've posted on social media our view and some of the actions that we're doing from a league standpoint so internal around hiring around uh prioritization of, of messaging around amplifying our black athletes around investing in the communities um, around uh, uh, giving our company holidays for voting for Juneteenth um, and, and things of that measure. Then externally, our players uh, will have Black Lives Matter warm-up shirts. They'll have BLM sleeves. They'll have a BLM patch on their jersey. We'll have A-frames, which are the boards against the field. We'll have LEDs that acknowledge that as well. So I think leagues uh, from a from a um, kind of from a, like a visual standpoint are demonstrating where they stand. And then we'll also have text to donates uh, on stream so that our fans can participate in meaningful ways. Um, and then, you know, again, our players will have the option to, to demonstrate uh, in, in their own unique ways as well throughout the games. That's awesome. That's great to hear. Uh, so, Paul, obviously you play for the Atlas and you're a co-owner, but what's a day in the life look like? Obviously you won't know what it's like in the bubble yet, but – you can imagine, like, how do you balance having to actually work and then go play in a game? So, so last year in our inaugural season, I had a much more difficult time because we had 15 weeks of play. I would get on site almost a week early and would do a lot of like my responsibilities as a co-founder and our chief marketing officer. And then I would help with ops as we'd have three games over a weekend. And I'd make sure I'd obviously go to our practices and all of our team meetings and play in our games. But it was distracting and it was difficult to juggle this time, you know, as soon as uh, next week begins, like my, my co-founder hat pops off and, and I'm just going to play. So uh, it's just too rigorous for me to do both this time. I mean, it's 16 straight days of games and practices. It's a full on sprint. So I'm going to be trying to recover and sleep when I can. And, you know, I'm 34 years old. LeBron's 35. He seems to continue. And Cristiano Ronaldo, that same age, demonstrate what, what's possible for athletes in their mid-30s, which none of us thought was possible previously. Um, so I'm just going to be focusing on as an athlete, so you won't see me much talking about the business. When the- gotcha. Abe, we've had a couple goats on the pod yeah. between Paul. We had Joey Chestnut on. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're, we're starting out. We're going to keep going in. This is a, but this is a, I like, this is I like a, who we've had. We, we're we setting a standard. scrubs on this podcast. Um, but I'm curious because you, you said – Hey, man, your work speaks for itself. You said once the <laughs> league starts, your business hats comes on. But once the league is over – you kind of got to put it back on. And I'm curious from a standpoint of yeah. what it's like to negotiate your own contract with yourself. Like, do you have to, do you have to take yeah, a humble I mean, look at your stats and be like, mm, maybe I don't I didn't get. No, it's actually easy. I, I'm, I, uh, I don't go for highest paid in league. It doesn't, uh, it just like, that's just, that just like doesn't mm-hmm. matter to me anymore. It's like, I, I have, you know, there are things as, as a, as a co-founder in the league, I would say, you know, there's always this, there's always this like notion in the environment that like, especially in sports that once an athlete, you know, begins to deprioritize her or his skill or like what it means to play that they're, that they're going to start the downward slope mm-hmm. of performance. I think that's, that's widely kind of bullshit, right? Like athletes across the globe have families, they get married, they have kids, um, you know, and that prioritizes over sport. And then, you know, they take on business interests and we're seeing more athletes do that. And that sometimes, depending on the time of day, takes priority over sport. I think like this need to know a prioritization of where you stand isn't like, isn't really logical. So you, you're seeing that defeated more and more as, as like the modern athlete 
enters. And for me, it was like, you know, starting this league. A lot of people were like, oh, it's going to be distracting for Paul away from his performance. And certainly it was. And I think I had my last season, my worst season last year in my 12 years playing professionally. But I'm back on my horse now. And I think I've been able to you know, bifurcate uh, the emotion of building the league from the physicality and motion of being an athlete. Um, and uh, and I will say, though, that, that like the nuance around just being an athlete and I think rightfully so, having to self-serve for a small time period of being an mm -hmm. athlete. As a co-founder, that shit doesn't matter to me anymore. So, like, the last contract I or the league worries about is mine. It's middle of the road, and uh, we just sign it and move on because there's more important stuff that I have to take care of. I think you bring up a good point. I'm sure Abe's eager to draw the LeBron James comparison. Missed the playoffs last year. Oh, no, year, I was just going to say, I was just going to log off here and try and find a uh, an MVP <laughs> future bet. But I think we... I think what you said is very interesting. How you're not eager to be the best, the most paid player because in the end, of the, at the end of the day, you're trying to build something in the PLL that's going to be around way after you're gone. So I think that's what really sets sure. us in. And the day that we live in, players still have to build their own brands. They have lives outside of the sport where there's so much going on that people just assume, oh, they got they got the bag. They don't care about performing anymore. When that's re reality, it's not it. it it's actually in my business interest mm -hmm. that uh, that we develop and there are and that there are there are players that take the spotlight from me. Like I, I need like if, if if I were just to kind of use the the LeBron James example, if I were pre LeBron and the conversation debate that goes back is, is MJ LeBron. Speaking of which, where do you stand like, on that front? MJ, oh, like unequivocally, and I love. There Ron, it is. Like, That's all Abe and I like debate just, on this. Okay. Anyway, just, anyway, anyway, anyway. Goat recognized goat. Philosophical. Right. It's philosophical uh, largely, but I, I do think like six NBA Finals, six NBA Finals MVPs. It, it's like you know, basketball is uniquely a sport where you play both sides of the floor, and he's a player that uniquely like took over every meaningful game, and like that to me. That to me is we'll never see that again. Like that type of like when it matters dominance. And it's not just physical, it was mental. Like he dominated his teammates and the opponents and he played game. And like Steve Kerr said on the last dance, he was like, and we always talk about what's it take to win? And none of us fucking know in sports, mm -hmm. there's not a blueprint, right? But Kerr was like, you know, Michael Jordan figured out the blueprint. Like he did. And like that, like LeBron going to eight finals and that stuff is is unbelievable but when i think about best ever it is like he for me mj has an unblemished resume mm -hmm. six finals won them all was the mvp of all of them it's like wow like that's know. that's just sheer dominance so that <laughs> that's where i'm at but all the other shit lebron's doing is like i actually think lebron will be more remembered and you, you can only make an argument around MJ's shoes, but for LeBron's wider mm -hmm. impact, it's like second to none. Um, so anyway, I forget what I was even talking about. I was making the example. So LeBron James to, to MJ, like I, I, it's in my business interest for players, other players to take the spotlight, win MVPs, build million person followings. And that takes the sport to the next level. Like Oscar De La Hoya needed Floyd Mayweather. Mm -hmm. Mayweather needed Oscar De La Hoya. One good fighter isn't going to carry it from a marketing standpoint. You need multiple fighters that carry the marketing because then multiple fans can get behind different narratives. Love it. All right, let's close with some rapid fire. 
Uh, first question is in regards to the cutouts. I think Abe and I missed the deadline, or it's today. Oh, you guys still to time in? to get a rush order in? That'll be our RFP. I'm gonna I'm gonna send you guys links. So I'll, I'll have you I'll gotten to see them. any of the pictures? Like, is there a hilarious picture that someone did? Like, even I wouldn't just send our faces. We would do something ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, we have a uh, we have a team that is like monitoring it because they have to be monitored. <laughs> but uh, I haven't looked at them. I think I we have. Okay. I think we have something. We have like Jack. Yeah, we do, but we're gonna have to have a lacrosse stick. We did. Abe and I, uh, we became podcast free agents briefly, and we did a whole video, and we ended up taking a body cover, uh, sports bo- center you know, body, body issue cover. that ESPN does. Yeah, 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 ESPN the body. Yeah, so I don't know if that'll fly for the PLL, but we'll see. You see these we'll quads. I mean, I, I think it. I think it. I think it. They probably would because there's no like exposure. They can put it in a magazine. It's, they can put it in the stands. I mean. That would That's be right. incredible to see right. our thighs well, you in, guys, the, in the You guys have got to send it. I'll, I'll again. I'll send you the link. I'll uh, I'll, I'll give you a comp code, um, and that'll be our RFP, standing RFP it. between us. I like it. All right. Sports. Next question: Who is the best player in the league? Well, I would I would say I, I feel like I am. <laughs> uh, a lot of people don't feel that mm-hmm. way anymore. Um, I used to be able to say that with a lot more confidence and support. But uh, strip me out of it and my own biases. Um, I would say, you know, Ram- look, Rambo won the MVP last year. Tom Schreiber is considered by many as the best. Rob Pinnell is considered by many as the best. Um, so I would say, like, probably toss up between those I'm guys. Gonna take, I'm going to take Rambo. Who, who's the best the defender? Alone. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's, a great name. Yeah, it's a pretty good name. Um, best defender. Um, I think Tucker Durkin has kind of held on to that for a while um jared newman was the defensive player of the year last year he plays for chaos just like um you know just incredible athlete huge human being covers a lot of ground that's goalie that's goalie um you know goalie of the championship team uh kyle burnlore uh on the whips last year he's just a, a really poised goalie between the six by six and then i think we have a great one in jack and cannon at atlas who who's the player that no one knows about, but they're gonna find out about because you've got twenty games on NBC. I think more people are finding out about Ryder Garnsey. Ryder Garnsey uh, low key sells some of the most jerseys in the league, and I say like again breaking out is that he probably you know he probably has fewer than fifty thousand followers on Instagram, but. Uh, the younger audience loves Ryder. He's got so much flair. He's got so much style on the field. Uh, he kind of reminds me of like a Rodney Mullen in uh, for our sport, like kind of undersized, but so skilled, talks shit, creative, good dude. Um, yeah, plays for Redwoods, which is arguably like the most cheered for uh, team. So number 50, attackman, you know, he's got all the all the swag. All right, Abe, we're not going to go with the Redwoods because we yeah, like the underdog the story. Redwoods, so cool. we're, we're going to do our research. You'll send us the link and okay. uh, we'll be all square for July 25th. That is actually my girlfriend's birthday. So I'm sure she'll be thrilled to know that you're busy. Her, the night of her birthday will be uh, tuned into NBC. There you go. Four o'clock Eastern on NBC on the 25th. It's four o'clock Eastern again on Sunday the 26th on NBC and then uh, Saturday night, if you want to turn the birthday celebration into a double header, sure. we have a 7.30 PM Eastern on NBC sports. I'm sure she'll love that. 
and uh, yeah, eight, eight straight days of eight straight games on TV. Love it. I love it. All right, Paul, we appreciate your time. Uh, appreciate you safe guys. travels, safe travels, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And I'll see you guys in the stands. Go Bulls. Sounds good. Hold on, we're going home.